Welcome. This is Corinne Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. All right, you all, this year is a big year. It's the year that I'm turning 50, and I've made all sorts of declarations throughout the year, including of becoming a woman who takes extraordinary care of herself as well as celebrating my birthday all year long. And this is how you get to partake in it this year is the month of August, 2020. We have some specials that we're going to be offering you all. Make sure you are a subscriber with our newsletter at www.howshereallydoesit.com to get information about how you can partake in the celebration where you also get to benefit. So go to www.howshereallydoesit.com. Make sure you sign up. You'll get emails with things that are of value for you. All right, my friends, I'm thrilled that we can continue to celebrate my birthday and there can be something in it for you. Today, we're going to talk about this question. It's a powerful question. And many of you are going to think, oh, it's powerful. So it's going to be, give me tremendous insight. And we live happily ever after. And actually, this question creates a lot of pain and a lot of shame and a lot of self-hatred. And that's why it's powerful, because it really takes us down. And it's the question of what's wrong with me? Over the years as a coach, I often get asked this question in the privacy of a corner on the pool deck or underneath a tree or in a parking lot. I often get this question from a parent who's struggling. What's wrong with me? So if you've asked yourself that question, I invite you to lean in to today's show as we talk about it and unpack it and actually find a better way to do this than to beat the crap out of ourselves. I have often said here on the show and with my clients and in my groups that the quality of the question will determine the results of your life. So let's look at this. Let's unpack this. When you ask yourself, what's wrong with me? Notice how you feel inside. What's the feeling? Some of you may say shitty. That's not a feeling, but it really feels horrible, right? It could be sadness, anger. Some of you may think it's embarrassment, but embarrassment's fleeting, often funny. And it's usually a cover word for shame, right? I'm bad. I'm broken. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. So if you notice that you get into these negative feeling states, when you ask yourself that question, notice that we don't need to judge. Just notice when you are feeling shame, right? That I'm not enough, lacking worthiness, believing you're broken or bad. What do you do next? What's your go-to? Do you start to beat yourself up? Think about this question. When we ask ourselves, what's wrong with me? You're giving your brain direction, a directive. 
to go and find all the things that are wrong with you, right? You've asked your brain to solve a problem. And the problem with it is it just gives us more evidence to beat the crap out of ourselves. So when you're in shame, notice there's no need to judge. One of the beauties, one of the things that I know that when my clients are on a transformation or a change trajectory is when they laugh, (laughs) they can see what they're doing. They speak it. They just laugh with themselves. They realize what they are doing when we can bring humor, not, not sarcasm, not making fun at ourselves, but we can laugh, we can bring humor and we can move through. So when you are feeling shame or when you're in this negative feeling state, my invitation for you is to stop right now before you go any further because you're on the path of self-destruction. And here's what that can look like. Cause you may say, Oh no, Corinne, I, I don't do self-destruction. It can look like, fuck it. I'll just have fill in the space, another drink, more French fries, another bowl of ice cream, or I'll spend money and put it on my credit card. It can be those small moments where nobody else is watching and nobody will know. And that can be the self-sabotage that can happen. There's bigger forms of self-sabotage. When you get so mad, you tell off your boss or you quit your job without knowing what you're going to do next, right? We have all sorts of different versions of self-sabotage. They can be small and they can be big in public. And instead of taking action from this shame place, my invitation for you is to stop. Stop before you move further. We're not on a path that's actually going to help you long-term, right? Some of you may go, but Corinne, I can get my adrenaline going and I can fight it and I can beat myself up and I can motivate myself. Yes, you can, but at some point it's not going to work. And that's usually when people come to me, right? So we need to ask ourselves questions that help us get the answers that we're looking for. But in order to do that, we must be rooted in compassion, not in shame. Otherwise, you're going to get into a shame storm with yourself and there's a ripple effect. It's with others around you. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your employees that you lead. When we don't know how to emotionally regulate, there's a cost to those around. We may be able to put on a front with some, but there's a cost to those who get to stay behind the green curtain. And of course, we all have our own blind spots, right? We have our imperfections. We all do. We all do. And if you think people don't realize that you're believing in a fairy tale (laughs) or what we call stealth expectations, magical thinking, we all have imperfections and we all have undesirable qualities. Yes, we all do. And instead of beating ourselves up in a shame storm, it's about loving all parts of ourselves, loving our beauty, loving our strengths, loving our imperfections, loving our blind spots, loving our undesirable qualities, loving all parts of ourselves. Because it's from this space of loving ourselves that we can create change in the areas that we have capacity. And it's a priority for us to do that, to do that work. 
So I've often quoted Brene's quote that has made a profound difference in my life is owning our stories and loving ourselves is the bravest thing we can do. What so many of us have learned is either hide from our stories (laughs) and pretend everything's okay, or own our stories and beat the crap out of ourselves to show other people that see we know what's all wrong with us and I'm going to beat the crap out of myself to do better. So those two things don't work. Beating yourself up is not going to help you in the long run. And think about this. Are you beating yourself up because you had decision fatigue on a Wednesday night at 8 p.m. and you can't make another decision? But you're like, but I need to because I have a family member that needs this answer and they need it right now. But there's nothing left inside of you. And so then your go-to is, well, there's something wrong with me. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me that I can't come up with this answer? Because this is what I do all day long is make these kinds of decisions at work. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do this for those that I love? Did you hear that? Did you hear that question? When you're making decisions all day long, that's called decision fatigue. Our brains, our souls, our inner beings are done. There's a cost to us. We may not be able to see it, but there's a cost to us. And now you're in the middle of your week and you're beating yourself up to make more decisions and thinking that by asking yourself, what's wrong with you? You'll find the answers. My friend, we need to stop this. So instead, I invite you the next time that you either ask yourself, what's wrong with me? Or maybe as we learn this and we can retrain ourselves, relearn to say, what do I need right now? So I have the capacity to handle this situation. So if it's that Wednesday night and your partner is wanting you to make a decision on something and saying it has to happen right now, and you've hit decision fatigue because you've been around people all day long, leading, answering questions, dealing with clients, and you have no idea what you want. Instead of saying, what's wrong with me? This is what I do for a living. Ask yourself, what do I need right now? So I have the capacity to handle the situation. Here's some examples. I always like examples because I'm like, oh crap, I Am I going to get the right answer? What does it look like? What's she talking about? Right? This white piece of paper can be very vulnerable. So this is like a paint by numbers. This doesn't mean that you go and do it, but at least gets you started to give you some insights. Then you can apply it for your own life and tweak it. So maybe what you need right now is the ability to not make the decision now as you've hit decision fatigue and realizing, is it an absolute must? right in this moment. (laughs) Of course, the other person's be like, yes, it's absolute. And you're saying, Corinne, I've hit decision fatigue. And now you want me to figure out if it's really a priority. You can just think it through. Could this wait 24 hours? Ask that question, right? Is this really on fire? Is this really an emergency? Oftentimes it's an emergency because somebody else wants their priorities to be your priorities that's why it's an emergency. So knowing the difference between a true emergency and somebody else wanting you to take on their priorities. Another example is maybe it's time to give yourself permission to fill yourself up 
before you can then handle the situation. My friend Hiroboga, who I got the privilege to speak with the other day and reconnect, it's, I lo- always love talking with her, but she's been on the show several times and probably about, it's probably 2009, 2010, and she said something to me, and I don't remember if it was on the air or off the air, but she said, it's so important what you do, giving yourself that space 10 minutes before you go into something, right? To be able to transition. And back then, you know, I was like, I'm really productive. I'm proficient. I'm sending off emails. I don't like to waste time. I'm a busy person, right? Let me send off another email. But I wasn't giving myself the space and the white space to breathe, to calm my nervous system, to get myself focused so that then I could get on my podcast and do a live interview, right? So I often think about those 10 minutes because I still want to push through and be like, oh, there's some more I can do. And it's, it's like, hey, Corinne, you can take a few moments. You can take a few minutes. You can take 10 minutes, as Hero says. See, I'm still learning and unlearning old patterns of being. And this is, that was 2009, 2010. So we're talking 12 or 13 years ago. Notice I'm owning my story and I'm not judging myself. I'm loving myself. While I may know better, I can still go back to old patterns. That, my friend, is an example of compassion. So maybe it's giving yourself permission to fill yourself up before you can then handle the situation. Maybe somebody comes to you and they want a decision. And so maybe you need to give yourself 10 minutes. At one point I was giving myself 24 hours when people were inundating me with question after question after question on the pool deck. I finally said, I have a new policy. I don't make any decisions for 24 hours. (laughs) (laughs) I had a lot of eyebrows raised, but it was a really important step in my boundary making abilities. Besides the fact that I was in the middle of coaching swimmers at the time as parents were walking by asking questions, right? Talk about my lack of boundaries. So what do you need to give yourself to fill yourself up, right? An example may be somebody's going to the grocery store in your house and saying, hey, what do we, what do you need? You had no idea that they were going to the grocery store. They may have planned it for a couple of hours, 30 minutes, right? And all of a sudden you're just asked, hey, you need to take off and give me a list. Our brains are not Google, <laughs> right? We don't type in and then here comes the answer. Your brain may not have been going down that runway. So maybe you say, I need 30 minutes to think about this and let me come back to you. Does that work for you? May or may not. Okay. Here are other examples of what do I need right now so I can have the capacity to handle the situation? Sleep. Oh, sleep is so, so important. Such the root cause of so much. Sleep is so, so important. Our brains need to cleanse. Our body needs to re-nourish itself and rebuild itself. Sleep, sleep, sleep. Have you ever noticed that you may not be able to see clearly and be able to have the answer at night and you sleep and the next morning, all of a sudden it's like, ta-da, you can see so clearly. So maybe it's sleep. The other day I had some clothes to return and I I'd had a long day the day before with clients and I had another long, pretty intense day and I was beat and I wanted to 
get my to-do list done and I had some clothes to return and I was trying to decide between these two jackets and part of me is like, just push through. And I was like, I'm done. It is 5.30 and I'm done. There's nothing left. I said, I can do this tomorrow. I still am going to be doing it today because I had to push it back another day. I do have my own unrealistic expectations and I just watched some mind-numbing TV. I just lay there, watched some mind-numbing TV, had some dinner, you know, nourished myself. And then a couple hours later, I thought, oh, and I tried on the two jackets. I looked at them and it was so easy. It was, it took me three minutes to make the decision. I needed to fill myself up. Sometimes it looks like that with my numbing TV. Could also be sitting outside in your garden. I'm so excited. I have a patio table and chairs, this teak table and these teak chairs. And I love to go out there. And this morning I just eat breakfast out there. I'll eat dinner out there. Sometimes I'll just go out and sit out there. But sitting outside, right, that can be something that can fill you up. Going out for a, and I'm putting this in here, a casual stroll, not something where you're going to measure your steps or measure your heart rate, but going out for a casual stroll. Does that help fill you up? Taking in nature, not having somebody pinging at you, asking stuff, being with yourself, being with your brain. It can be sitting near the ocean. I had a client, he was telling me that he likes to go to the ocean. He lives in Southern California. He's not particular about going in the water. He doesn't like to sit on the beach, but he likes to just be there. He likes to go on a walk. He likes to be there, smelling the ocean, hearing stuff. Does that fill you up? One of my good friends, she'll drive when things get really stressful and crazy. She'll, she'll drive to Stinson Beach and go and sit on the beach and watch the waves and be with the rhythm of that. You know, again, when I talk about sleep, there can be also taking a nap. I came home. One of the things I love about Saturday soul meets is after the meet, I came home and I laid down and it's like this dead sleep. I took a nap for like, I don't know, an hour. And I don't really take naps, but it was quite a beautiful thing. And it was just out, you know, taking a nap. And then I was able to rejuvenate. The other thing is maybe it's doing anything that's not productive, efficient, or wise use of time right? That can be something that actually fills you up. Have you ever noticed that when you putter around for a morning or an afternoon or day and how you start to get rejuvenated? I love to be productive. I love to be efficient. I love to create systems. And I used to really judge needing to putter around. How can I do that? Successful people don't do that. Oh yes, they do. That is really, really important. And in athletes, we call it the invisible training. It's really, really important to have this unstructured putter time. So when you start to ask yourself the question of what is wrong with me, my invitation is to create an awareness for you to ask yourself, what do you need right now? So you have the capacity to handle the situation. And maybe you won't have the capacity for this current situation, but what can you learn so that you have the capacity for when a situation like this occurs again in the future, because we know it will. And then you have that menu of items like I went through and you can kind of go through. It's like, okay, what is it that I need? This is an important self-awareness to know what you need. It's inside of you, not what other people need. And 
one of the things I want to highlight is this is an ongoing work of progress. It's not like, oh, got the list. It's one and done, right? It will evolve and it will change. There is a doctor in Illinois who wrote a book called Blue Minds. And one of the things is that those of us who are drawn to water, it's actually a very soothing place. So we have other people's energy and we can take it on or we get anxious, right? And our brain starts to go in a certain way. Water can be very soothing. So for some people, they like fountains, right? Obviously water is very soothing for me as a former swimmer. I really like water. Years ago, one of my girlfriends and colleagues got an invitation to the Oprah show and invited me to go with her because I'd been there before and been mentored over there. And so she was looking for kind of like a wing person and somebody who knew the system. And so I went with her and we had a great time and we went shopping. And here's the thing. I don't really actually like to shop. It gets pretty overwhelming for me. And I love Michigan Avenue and I love Chicago. And, you know, the Oprah show was, it was fun and fantastic. There was a lot of energy, right? There was excitement. There was stress. There was anxiety. There was vulnerability. There was shopping energy. There was all that. And I remember one night we were going back to the hotel and we were walking back. And I looked at her, I said, because I could feel all this tension inside of me. And I was like, I need water. I need water. And I said to her, I said, can we walk by Lake Michigan? And it was a little bit out of the way. And she's like, you know, I'm really tired. I said, okay. And as we continue down the path, there was the river walk. I'm like, oh, awesome. I said, can we just walk down along the river on our way to the hotel? And that was the nice Venn diagram, right? I asked for what I needed. It didn't quite work out. And another opportunity came that worked out for both of us. And that was enough to just soothe me to calm me. And this is why the menu of items of what you need to fill yourself is so important because sometimes you may or may not have access. I don't need to get in the water, but hearing the water, being around the water, smelling the water, that is very soothing for me. Okay. So for some people, it can be being outside, nature washing, where it washes your brains, going out, you know, into nature, being with trees, when we went to our first trip to Glacier Park, I had such a bad attitude. I was like, a tree is a tree, a log is a log. Why do we keep doing this damn hiking? This is so stupid. I just want to be done, right? It was like a checklist. I wasn't realizing and connecting with earth. And it wasn't until we went to Avalanche Lake and Glacier that I went, oh, and that having that connection. Now, when I was in college, I didn't know about Blue Mines and I had this place, we have this arboretum, it's fantastic. And there's this arboretum and there's this body of water and it's kind of green in some areas, but that's fine. I didn't get into it, but I would like to go sit under this tree. And I remember I had my Apple laptop, which was like this brick and I would go there and I would study and it was very calm. I just love that, right? That, that was something I just, that's where I'd like to go study. That's where I'd like to go take naps. That's where I would like to go by myself. So I had this internal awareness, even though I wasn't at all aware of what I was doing and why, but I can understand now why I did that. So start working on your menu of items of what you need to fill yourself up. And when you are filled up, and then things don't go the way that you would like or that you thought they should have, right? Should as a judgment. Instead of asking yourself, 
what's wrong with me? A better quality question to ask yourself is, what can I learn from this? Right? Or what is my key learning? Those are great questions. And usually we, we can only ask ourselves those questions once we have the space away from that situation. When you're in the middle of the shitstorm, it's not easy to go, what's, <laughs> what's my key learning? It's like, what the hell is going on? Right? So we don't ask this question in the middle of the shitstorm. And if you think about like as an athlete, when an athlete is racing, we actually don't think. We evaluate the race afterwards. We don't want to be having this conversation in a race. And I've done that. And that's not actually being in the flow state. But after the race and we're warming down, then we can look at what did we learn about the race? And here's the thing, my friend, sometimes in life, it can be six months later or even a year. And remember my story about going to the Arboretum in college? I probably realized that. So I was 20. It probably wasn't until I was like 38 that I realized like, oh, that was me to help me emotionally regulate. So 18 years later, you can circle back to these moments and have key learnings. Now, as I talk about all this, what you're experiencing or what I'm experiencing, I'll say, is compassion. This is an example of compassion. Compassion is not apathy. Compassion is the biggest motivator for change. I'm so grateful for Dr. Kristen Neff from the University of Texas. She's been on the show multiple times and she's done this research, right? I remember when she first said it to me, I felt like she was speaking a different language because I didn't understand what she was talking about. But compassion is the biggest motivator for change. We think beating the crap out of ourselves is, and it may spike an adrenaline rush. It may spike, well, let me show you and gladiate. Notice how long that really lasts for yourself. We don't have to be hard asses because that's what we've always done or what was done to us. Compassion has boundaries. So after you run your experiment of what you believe is going to fill you up, it's important to check in afterwards. Was it filling? And when did it become draining at a certain point? So like the mindless TV, there's times that I can watch mindless TV and then it could be one episode. It could be half an episode. It can be three episodes in. And I'm like, after a certain point, right? So it could be one episode, like I could watch so much TV and then all of a sudden I notice one episode, half an episode or three episodes more. And I'm like, oh, this is draining. I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting anxious. So what was working at one point stops working. It doesn't mean that that item doesn't belong on the menu. It just may have meant that I went from filling myself up to indulging into numbing right? It's the same thing that we do with food. At some point, this food that we're using to fuel our body and it's delicious and and joyful, it slides over into numbing. So it's about being aware and connected to stop once you are fueled. And this is going to be an experiment. We start to realize like, oh yes, start to listen to those internal signs. And if you do get into numbing or indulging and you realize you're drained, Instead of beating yourself up, say, what can I learn from this? Right? Maybe it's like, oh, once I start here and after a couple of shows or four shows, whatever, there's no judgment. 
But when you keep going and it goes into the night and then you're binging into the night, maybe it's not refueling, especially if it's getting interfering with your sleep. So when you're filling ourselves up, we have the capacity to reflect on solving a problem, improving a situation, or becoming a better version of who we want to be so we can live more in line with who we are. Now, when you ask questions and you feel pain, stop, because that may be a poor quality question. And how you know is by checking in with your feeling state. Do you feel shame or do you feel compassion? If you feel shame, what do you need to fill yourself up? And remember, compassion is the antidote. Check in with yourself. What is your capacity right now? That's a really great question. It's honest. And then what do you need to fill up right now? And my friend, go fill up. And then from that place, go solve the problems, answer the questions, make a decision, move forward. All right, my friend, I'm smiling big for you. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR and then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things, but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. I'm smiling big for you. Never been so wide